Welcome to the Health Lab, folks. My name is Joel Bland, but I am actually very sweet. It's a terrible joke I've been telling since probably I was about seven or eight years old. But nonetheless, you know, it's a nice day here in Vancouver. November the 5th is the date today, although you probably won't be listening to this until many months later, but that's okay. It is a sunny day in Vancouver today, the day of this recording, and that makes me happy because... You know, it's tough. It's tough to be happy sometimes these days. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. COVID, stuff going on down south in the United States and really protests all across the world. It's challenging, um, which is why I'm really happy about having this guest on the show today, Matt McEachran. He's a leadership coach. He facilitates positive leadership and cohesive experiences for workplaces. Um, aside from that, he's a, he's a mountaineer, he's a marathon runner, and he's probably the most positive and enthusiastic person I've ever come across. I've known him for a couple years now and always excited to speak with him and, and, and glean insights into his life and what he does to manage his stress and, and his emotions. Guys, I think really, you know, this kind of thing, it's applicable now more than ever, and we really need to equip ourselves with these tools to to persevere through the storm that we are all living in collectively as human beings on this planet right now. So really excited about it. Let's get down to business with Matt McEachran. Matt McEachran, thanks so much for joining me today in the Health Lab. My pleasure. Man, it's 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 such a weird time right now to be alive. Um, and I know I know you know so much of your work is to do with leadership and, and coaching and you know facing adversity and overcoming obstacles. And I guess like how, how have you been holding up with, with what's going on COVID-wise and you know protests in America and all that stuff right now? Well, it's interesting you you added in the protests and all those other things. It's been a challenging time for me for sure. You know, I've definitely felt the wind knocked out of my sails, you know, over the summer, as an example, and uh, just noticing what I think I sometimes call it that kind of ambient anxiety. So not just COVID, but, you know, as someone lost their job, as you said, the protests, the the, the wildfires, you know, and uh, yeah, for sure, it's been challenging, you know, from a motivational point of view and a trying to feel a relaxed and chill point of view. <laughs> I like that yeah, I like that you use that word though, ambient anxiety. Because I kind of feel that too, just almost a low grade, a higher, higher resting heart rate that I yeah. normally have. Just this <clears throat> this this impending stress or or frustration or irritability. What what are you doing to manage that? Or are, are you how are you managing that right now? Oh man, definitely managing it. And I would say uh, for me on purpose, I, I think one time they often say, you know, you, you teach that most that what you need to learn. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thankfully um, I'm aware sometimes if I'm focusing on things that I can't control, like for example, the, the elections in the States, um, I care about it, I'm interested in it, but I can't control it. Uh, you know, or global warming, I'm very concerned about it. I can do my part but I can't control it. So part of what I try to do is uh, one, recognize when I'm feeling anxious like that. Mm. And then two, try to focus on things that I can control. I know that sounds a little cliche, but um, uh, whatever that is, you know, like noticing if I'm thinking negatively about myself, 
then I'll try to recall times when I have felt better about myself. And uh, yeah, things like that. Do you, and no, that's, that's so valid. I mean, just kind of redirecting your perspective. And I like what you said, just focusing on the things that you can control versus what you can't control. My, my wife, um, she, she says some old adage to me sometimes that she uses. And it's, I think it's something along the lines of worrying about the things you can't control is like trying to solve a math problem by chewing gum. Like it's just, it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So let's try and redirect that effort elsewhere. And then maybe we can take our minds off whatever's getting us amped up. Yes. Yeah. I think the, the other thing that helps me sometimes is, I don't know about other people, but sometimes when I'm feeling down or not like myself, I don't have that same zip in my step or, or one thing I for sure noticed over the summer was a little less focused. Like I think, oh, maybe I should go do this. Oh no, I better go do this. So like I'll, I'll create an online course or maybe I should call a customer. So I would be like um, less focused. And then I'd be thinking, well, what's wrong with me? You know, and I think one thing that helped me was realizing, well, nothing, you know, a lot of people are experiencing this kind of stress or anxiety. So don't add to that by thinking something's wrong with me, recognize I'm human too, and then try to refocus, okay, what, what would be a more helpful thing for me to, to or what would help me focus as an example, you know, and, and try to go there. But I think one for sure is realizing, hey, we're all human and, and it's okay to, feel that anxiety and there's nothing wrong with you if you feel that way. I think that's so valid because I mean how could you not have some sort of low-grade anxiety? It would be weird to not have it right now but as you mentioned redirecting your efforts or, or thinking of ways to address that. Um, me personally it's you know, sometimes I, I, I kind of split my time now in between the clinic and at home, and I'm happy to be able to go to the clinic a few days a week right now to work. And to be honest, nice. I'm, I'm much happier on those days overall, it feels. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a homebody. I really like to be out. I like to be doing things. But when I am at home, I like to try to, find, well, kind of like you said, find things to do really. I mean, and quite often it's like, okay, I've got to go take the garbage downstairs. So I'll take the garbage downstairs, but then I'll also go for a 30 minute walk. So using yes. it as an excuse to get out of the house and essentially keep myself busy. And it sounds like you're taking a similar approach as well. Yeah. And I know with you, you know, you're a pretty elite runner, even though you don't think that way, but uh, of yourself as elite, but um, uh, yeah, get, remembering some of those um, uh what's the word, not fundamentals, but the things that do give me joy. So for example, going out for a run and getting that in, you know, and then you feel, it always feels better afterwards. You know, you got the fresh air and then you feel like a million bucks and then you go, oh yeah, you know, how did I forget that? And uh, so I think, yeah, some of that is keeping, remembering to do those things that do uh, put a smile back on your face. You know, that's helpful too. Yeah. Are you, are you running? The, so you're running these days, is that right? about well i don't i don't know if you remember i, I have uh, arthritis in both hips and well i've had them both replaced now oh jeez <laughs> so i'm not supposed to run at all okay. so i run about once a week maybe 3 miles okay but i ride the bike now uh road bike uh, yeah. to get in that cardio and hike a lot i'll go over to the north shore in vancouver and hike up the local mountains here and then uh, uh yeah hiking climbing still a little bit of climbing but as far as that, as you say, that kind of daily thing, probably more hiking and riding my bike. But that's good, though. So you've found that 
alternative to something that brought you that much joy in the past. And actually, I want to expand on that a bit too, because I know yeah. you've done you've done some mountaineering in the past. Um, let's talk about that. Like, what if I know you've climbed some peaks? What have you done? What where have you been? Well, you know, <laughs> it's like a little bit over a long period of time, but over that time, I've I really have been so lucky to have have done some pretty amazing adventures, and a lot of it was having good friends who were good climbers and they would take me out and I would learn under their wing. Uh, but for example, done, you know, Denali, North America's highest peak or Mount Logan, Canada's highest peak. And I'm only using those because people might be more familiar with them because right. they're high, yeah. but uh, lots of hard peaks uh, like Mount Hunter in Alaska and uh, Aconcagua down in South America. And the reason I'm mentioning some of these is uh, I love that sense of adventure where you're tying in something you love, like for example, with you going for a run and, uh, and tying that in with travel or with culture or uh, so climbing has kind of helped me explore the world a little bit while having something uh, that I'm passionate about to do when I'm there, you know, that's really so, cool. Yeah. So kind of marrying those two interests together. Definitely. And I know you've done some uh, talk about running as well. I mean, you're the you're the only person I know who's done a marathon in Antarctica. Uh, <laughs> what, what was that like? Can you, talk, can you talk about that? Sure. Well, it was amazing. And it, and it was a little bit of a lark in one way. And what I mean by that is um, I had always wanted to go to the Antarctic. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, when I go, you know, I'll go climb Mount Vincent. And that's, that's Antarctica's highest peak. It's about 18,000 feet, so it's pretty high. But uh, it's challenging. It costs a lot of money to go. Uh, anyways, where I'm going with this is I had been in Iceland to run an, uh, a marathon. As I was mentioning, you know, trying to combine travel with something I loved to do. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, I met these guys who were going around the world and doing what they called uh, the seven marathons on the seven continents. Oh, okay. So and, they, and they started talking about doing one in Antarctica. So that kind of planted the seed for me. And then um, I don't know if you believe in the law of attraction or whatever, but I start, looked it up on the internet, um, saw that there was a, uh, an organization that runs these marathons once every four years at the time, or once every two years, pardon me, mm -hmm. in the Antarctic because of the environment. And right. uh, so I put my name in the hat, but didn't think I'd ever get, get drawn. And my hat, my name got drawn and down I went. Uh, yeah, so, that, and that was a while ago, like 2011, I think, 2012. Okay, so I it mean. It was amazing. I, I can only imagine. I mean, what, when, what time of year was it? What was the temperature like? What were the conditions like? Oh, uh, you know, well, it was uh, January, which of course, because that's in the South, it's actually their summer. Mm -hmm. And I think for most people, it brings up visions of snow and you know, icebergs and that, well, there's certainly icebergs in the ocean. Uh, but we uh, were on the uh, uh, Francis Peninsula, which is pretty far north with regard to Antarctica. Okay. So I would say it would be like running in the winter in Vancouver. You know, it was okay. uh, the day we ran the marathon was a little bit wet. And there was some ice and snow, but also lots of mud, you know, and some sea lions and you're running past sea lions. And they did the run on uh, in between some of the science camps they have down there you know, uh -huh. China, Russia, right. there's these different sign camps. And because of that, there's some utility roads. Uh -huh. So for the most part, you're running on a road, which again, they're so authentically caring about the environment that uh, they don't want you to run, you know, on the fragile environment, natural environment. So 
right. since the road's already there, we just ran on the roads. Wow. Man, that sounds like, I mean, all of those experiences, whether it be the mountaineering, you know, the running in Iceland, Antarctica, elsewhere around the world, they're cool feats. Um, oh, and thank you. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, it's impressive to say the least. And I mean, you know, you know, so much of what you do for work has to do with you know, leadership training, like we talked about, you know, overcoming adversity. How, how does your experiences doing these things, how does that translate to your work? Wow. Well, um, thanks for asking. You know, a couple of ways, I think. One is, for me, if I'm asking other people to be open to learning or open to trying new things, there's a part of me that feels like, well, I should be too. So whenever I do those, and by the way, it doesn't have to be climbing or running in a, a marathon. I'm, for example, building a, a Roman stone patio in my backyard for the first time. You know, it, it's a challenge. I'm not sure if the, the um, success is not guaranteed. <laughs> so there, so there's part of those adventures help me with that. It makes me feel good that I'm pushing my limits a little bit and going out and doing something challenging. And then to, to answer, so one, I'm modeling what I'm asking other people to do. Right. Uh, but the second is there's a lot of metaphors to me that are helpful. Uh, and it, it, these are going to sound cliche in some ways, but for example, when you're climbing a mountain, you know, I think what's easier about climbing a mountain is you can usually see the summit so when the going gets tough, you know, and you're in thigh deep snow and the wind's blowing and you're freezing, you can look up and remember why you're here. You know, it's, it's a little more tangible. Mm -hmm. Or for the average person, when they're going to work every day, you might lose sense of what your vision was. Why am I doing this every day? You know, and I think sometimes it's harder to call up why you're there. So I think sometimes those metaphors uh, help me when I'm talking with leaders, you know, for example, is your vision clear? Do your people understand what it is you're trying to achieve? Right. You know, and uh, so that's that's one thing that helps me with some of those adventures. Yeah, I think the other is, um, you know, like I just said, when the going gets tough on an adventure, you know, what helps you dig down deep and keep going? Whether for you, like for example, you're doing 50 kilometer, you know, trail run. Good grief, you know, like you have to dig deep, and no one's making you do that run. Uh, yeah. So what is it that you were able to call up um, and how can we do that at work? Like, what is it that I need to call up at work to stay with something or persevere through something when it's challenging? I think that's so valid. So kind of, kind of looking into those you know, transferable skills. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. And it's not, like I say, it's not always one for one, you know, it doesn't always map across. Or yeah. sometimes if I'm using those examples with leaders and sports, sports metaphors often run this risk is you use the sports metaphor, you know, uh, look at LeBron James, you know, and then people will roll their eyes and go, well, that's different. You know, and it is, you know, he's on a basketball court or I'm on a mountain and these people are in a more corporate setting. So there is differences, but there's also similarities. And the whole idea there is what can we, what can we borrow from it? You know, what can we learn from those experiences and, and bring them in? to the mm -hmm. workplace. Mm -hmm. What well, one for me is, oh, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. We can, yeah. Well, I was gonna say, as I, I realized that might've sounded vague, but but one reason is say, for example, I'm climbing and, and the going gets tough and I, I'm willing to keep going. It's because I can tap into something I'm passionate about. I love to climb or, or I like to work hard. You know, I like to sweat, say for going for a run, that feels good. Well, at work, if I can figure out, well, what, what's one thing I'm passionate about at work that would give me a reason to stay with this. And that takes a lot of awareness. And for a leader, it takes that leader to go ask, 
Go ask the employee, you know, what brings you to work every day? What do you love most about this job? What's driving you crazy? You know, if you could be doing something else, what would you be doing? And just get to understand and learn what motivates that employee. Well, now I can suggest ideas or give them feedback or whatever in a way that's more motivating. Oh, very cool. So is that, I'm just building off of what you said about going into organizations, is that is that really what you try to do when you're doing your leadership training, your consulting, really foster that awareness of purpose and some sort of collective goal that an organization might have? Oh, that's a great question. You know, some people might be disappointed to hear me say, uh, not so much, yes, a little bit. But, and what I mean by that is, I'm probably more someone that's uh, passionate about having the leader lead people in a way that they feel valued and like they're making a difference and that they matter. Uh, and some consultants are good at getting the leaders to create a goal and go for the goal and, uh, and be very efficient in the organization and have higher profitability. I would be more like, yes, let's get you that higher profitability, but I'll help you with the people side. Uh, I'll help you get your, what they call employee engagement. You know, how can we get your employees feeling like they, they'll run through a brick wall for you if they have to. Right. And I always feel like, well, the way to do that is to tap into what motivates them and to treat them in a way that they feel like you see the world in them, like you see the best in them. And when you're, when you're going in um, to, to, to an organization, um, I presume that was a lot of the time it's in person. Is that still going on in, well, in light of everything? Or how has that changed for you now? Oh my gosh. Well, a huge shift there, you know, yeah. for me, at least in March, you know, the, the in-person training for a lot of organizations had a hard stop. And, and of course, you know, that's triage. People were focusing on keeping their employees safe and their customers safe. And some organizations were having to lay people off because, you know, they, they weren't bringing in the same uh, revenue that they were before. And can't imagine how hard that would be to lay your, lay your team off, you know? Uh, so yes, the training stopped as did travel. Uh, for me, by the way, there still was people doing training mm -hmm. and a lot of it shifted online. And if you're ever looking on uh, LinkedIn or Facebook and everyone's talking about, you know, what's your pivot strategy? Well, in the training world, it would be to pivot and get yourself online. Yep. Either doing an electronic course that runs itself or doing webinars or, or some type of virtual right. uh, training. Has that changed? And because, you know, that happened to us as well at Back in Motion. It happened to really any healthcare organization, really. Yeah. And, and yeah. we were already doing a little bit of the telehealth stuff prior to COVID. And I had, yeah. you know, I was, I was working for UBC as well in, in, in research as, as well and, and delivering a lot of um, um, research programs or, or um, occupational therapy related programs to uh, research participants via telehealth. So yeah. I, I was lucky that I had a little bit of experience in the past couple of years leading up to this. Um, some other people, not so much. And it was a steep, steep learning curve for a lot of people. And yeah challenges on the other side, on, on the client or the patient side of things in accepting it as well. Have you come up or have you experienced roadblocks similar to that in, in, in the past few months for yourself? Oh man, yes. You know, and um, it's funny because I had done webinars before. Uh, so I was thinking, oh, this won't be a hard shift, but shifting to um, everything from say, for example, trying to create a landing page so that if I advertised a course, People could land on this page, see what it's all about, and then sign up. 
oh my gosh, it, it would take me a week to do what someone else would do in a couple hours. And uh, that's a great example, actually, of times when I was feeling beat up and, you know, wanting to give up and then thinking, no, you know, what would someone else do here? They would, they would persevere, you know, so what do I need to do to stay with this? You know, but I, I'm telling you, I was so tempted to just give up. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. And I have, and I have those days too, where I'm just like, geez, I want to see my clients face to face. Like, yes. you know, so much of, so much of communication is body language. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm an in-person kind of guy and I've really had to shift how I communicate with someone via Zoom, um, you know, looking at the camera and that kind of thing and trying to use my body language in other other fashions and sharing resources differently. How does that, I mean, in, in you, is I'm, I'm assuming it's it's been similar. And, and are there any strategies out there that you've kind of come up with for yourself? Well, that's a, I'm still working through uh, some of those strategies on how to make uh, any training that I'm doing more impactful. But one example is, um, in some of the leadership training I do, of course, I'm going to say there's certain nuances, you know, that if you get it right, give you a profound result. Well, when I'm doing the training, I'll often set up the lesson uh, to get a certain outcome. And what I mean by that is sometimes you set up a lesson that reassures the, the leader that they already knew this, you know, and it's very reassuring. Well, sometimes you set up a lesson where they go, oh, uh, I thought I knew this, but it looks like I don't. And you're doing that on purpose. It's called a jolt uh, to lift their uh, learning into what they call the conscious competence. So Michael Vance would call it conscious competence. Well, where I'm going with this is when I used to train face to face, that was a lot of in person. So you'd set up an experiential activity. They do the activity and then have a learning challenge and go, oh man. And then we debrief it. Well, I haven't quite figured out how to do some of those activities now virtually uh, you know, because before they might have involved something physical. Right. Uh, so, no, I'm still challenged by that for sure. Uh, this isn't a plug for Zoom, but things like WebEx and Zoom, they have a lot of features that help, though, like breakout rooms, you know, where you can send a group to have a, a conversation and they have whiteboards. And so there are there are things that help uh, try to mimic back some of that, um, as you say, body language and facial expressions and tone of voice that, that are so helpful in communicating. Yeah. And like you said, still, still learning. And as am I actually on that note, I, uh, talking about zoom, I had looked, I had looked at, <laughs> this is just a sidebar. I had looked at zoom stock. Yeah. The stock price in like March or something like that. I don't know what it was $30 or something stupid. I totally missed the boat on that one. Cause it's at like 500 or something now. Oh my gosh. I, you can see why. Wow. I, I didn't realize it had skyrocketed like that. Good grief. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, like I said, I feel like this is here to stay to a degree, at least. Could you see yourself continuing in this manner in perpetuity um, with respect to delivering leadership online? Oh, what a great question. If um, when you say perpetuity, I'm hesitating because I'm saying not exclusively, but yes, I could see myself continuing to do virtual training. And the reason I say that is some of what COVID has tried to help accelerate that I, well, I'm not saying COVID tried to help, but the COVID pandemic has accelerated in my mind was uh, a reawareness or a reawakening in organizations that not everybody has to come to work every day. It is possible to perform, you know, working from your home. Uh, so that that's kind of, to me, reawakened it because it's not new news. Uh, 
-hmm. but some organizations had to experience that to believe it's possible. So where I'm going with this is, so not every organization is going to go all the way back where every employee now has to always come in. I'm sure a lot of organizations are going to realize, hey, let's add some more flexible work options. Mm -hmm. And then the second, now you'll see where I'm going with this. And the second thing is, well, for years, like since 2000, for me anyway, we've also known that you don't need to fly people from all around the world to come and do personal training. So for global organizations or, or what I'm working with right now that's across Canada, it saves them a lot of money. It saves travel, helps the environment, you know, to do training virtually. So the long-winded answer there is I'm happy to keep doing this, but similar to you, um, my real passion is face-to-face. So I'm hoping I'll still have opportunities to do that when it makes sense. Yeah, certainly. And again, you, you know, you take what you can get right now obviously. Yeah. And, and I'm yeah. experiencing the same. I'm, like I said, I'm so happy for my face-to-face interactions. However, yes. you, you know, seeing clients via Zoom, I can still, you know, you can still pick up on their body language. And I think, you know, you can still be an agent of change as well, trying to help yes. people work through whatever they need to work through. Yeah. Yes. Know? Yeah, I agree. Are you, yeah. are you still, are you still coaching right now too? Yeah. Um, yes. I, I think, you know, I, I never got coached full-time, uh, but, it, but just enough that I love doing it. And so, you know, my wife will tease me because if I'm coaching, you know, I'll come bounding up the stairs and she'll go, just finish a coaching call, you know, cause I'm all happy, you know, cause uh, no matter what happens on the conversation, it, it's very fulfilling and always feels good to, to deeply listen to someone and, and try to help in some way. Uh, so yeah, I'm still coaching. Awesome. And no, I mean, I remember you actually told me that once that after coaching calls, you go, you come bounding up the stairs too, because you're excited about it. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm the same way as well. And, you know, I guess for people listening out there, um, there's still kind of a vague interpretation of what coaching is if you haven't actually experienced it in the past. And maybe I'm putting you on the spot here, but could, can you give your best definition of what coaching is, what the process is like and what the outcomes are? Yes. And, and uh, you know, I may not be as polished as someone who's used to, to explaining it, but, but for me, uh, I'll t- can I talk a little bit about what it's not just for a moment? Please. Yeah. For, for those who haven't been coached, that's why I'm thinking I'll start here is um, it, it's not about changing someone unless they want to change. And it's not that the coach is smarter than the client or anything like that. Uh, So what comes up for me is coaching for me is really about uh, trying to listen deeply to what is it that the client's wanting or not wanting in their life? And how can I listen and ask questions? And if, if it's appropriate, give ideas in a way that's going to help them get more of what they want. And I'm thinking back to a, a mentor of mine, and he might think of himself as an accidental mentor, but his name was Gord Collins. And uh, he was back in Ontario. I think he's probably still coaching. And his term was um, how to awaken the will of, of the learner or the client or, or customer or whatever you want to call it, the, the other person. How do I awaken what it is they want? Because it's not about what the coach wants for them. Right. So if I was going to explain the process to me as um, for someone who wants the coaching is, you know, uh, that they get to bring the topic or the agenda, the coach is going to be deeply interested in what it is that you want in your life, as well as some issue you're trying to address. And they're going to ask questions and uh, maybe challenge and push you a little bit uh, to see 
things from a different perspective so that you're more able to move toward to what you want. I think that's, that's a, that's a very good definition, by the way. Oh. It's, hey, it's, it's still vague. It's still vague. I'll tell you that. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, coaching kind of is, is vague and, and, and that's kind of the point sometimes I find it's, it's in my experience, it's, it's a, it's such a guided, like loosely guided process of self discovery about what someone's like true wants, beliefs and feelings are. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, um, I'm glad you said that was still a little bit vague because I think where um, uh, it feels vague is to the degree I feel like the client's going to bring the agenda. What is it that they want to work on? That part could, you could be wind up coaching on anything, literally. And so, and by the way, I'll, I'll often have Coach, coaching clients, which is funny you call them clients because they're people, uh, people that uh, are in an organization and they're getting coaching to help them in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we'll start there, but inevitably uh, something from their personal life shows up because it's often hard to, to, to draw a boundary between the two. Uh, but I also know there's people who just do life coaching or they, they have a, a certain niche or a focus Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, and I just came upon this uh, about two or three years ago, because I'll always have a coach or try to have one, not, not every day, but, um, you know, I, I hire coaches mm-hmm. and I had one where it was actually a program and it was six topics, but so they were leading in a way, but what was interesting was in the context of the topic, it was still free ranging. And so an example was, uh, they were going to teach me about clarity and how having clarity is important in life. And so the, the, the learning burst was about clarity. But within that, my life shows up about, you know, what clarity do I have or not have? And where would I like more clarity? And, and so, um, uh, so that it still had that free ranging feel to it, right. but, it, but it was directed in a sense. And it was very powerful. It was great coaching. It's, 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 it sounds great. I mean, on, on that note, in terms of, you know, the power and the outcomes, I mean, without getting too personal about it, you know, w- I mean, you're saying you're getting coached on a regular basis. What is it, what does it do for you? What is the outcome for you? Oh man. <clears throat> One is it really helps me uh, with my perspective because, and I'll just give you an example, even though people will often see, Hey, Matt, he's so positive and optimistic. And, I have often a lot of negative self-talk. You know, I'm expecting more of myself. And so I'll hear myself beating myself up. And sometimes a coach will catch me on that. They'll hear it in my language or I'll diminish something, you know, like I did with the climbing, right? I was like, oh, shucks, golly gee, it was nothing, you know? And uh, and so they'll call me on that. Like, what's up with that? And, um, And so that helps me be more aware that I'm doing that and then create a strategy to, uh, be more effective to, to uh, think in ways that are more helpful, more positive, say, for example, or take action uh, to help me develop those skills. So yeah, that's one that. example. No, that's good. And actually I'm going to, I'm going to talk about what you just said about positive self-talk too, because okay. I mean, coaching has helped me with that as well. And just to kind of keep that at the forefront of my brain too, you know, to talk about these positive actions, positive strategies you can take. And I just have an example of this from last night. I was playing badminton with my wife. Okay. And she, uh, she, there's a community center that's open okay. near where we live. Um, and she actually, she's a high school teacher and she spent 
a couple of summers actually teaching badminton. So she's not she's not exceptional, but she's pretty good. Like she's got a good mindset for the game, and she's yeah. a you know she's a PE teacher, so she's quite physically fit. Um, but from a couple from a couple of um, just experiences, positive experiences with using self talk, I've really kept that at the forefront of my brain when engaging in sports or any really any activities where I feel like self talk could be a benefit. Anyway, so she kept getting me on these little tiny little over over the net little blippers that kept absolutely destroying me and I wasn't able to get to them. So I just said to myself, like, Joel, positioning, Joel, get to the positioning, you know, get, you're going to do fine. Put yourself in the center of the court. And inevitably, I was able to correct my positioning and address all of these stupid little blips that she was uh, getting all these points on me on. Um, and I ended up winning the game. Anyways, long, long-winded story, but just an example Not of success. <laughs> example That's of great, success. <laughs> it's a great example. You know, um, can I tie two things together? Please. Yeah, well, you know, when we were talking about leadership earlier in, in this notion of self-talk, positive self-talk, and I know sometimes I was just doing a resilience a workshop, a six, a six webinars, you know, okay. over, over six weeks. It was really fun, but we were talking about the notion of positive self-talk. And I know sometimes people can roll their eyes like, oh yeah, right. So I'm going to dump a bunch of positive self-talk on top of an underlying issue, you know? And, um, and yeah, it, I can see that, that um, what's the word pers- perspective. And, it, uh, and I borrowed a quote that I heard from Anthony Robbins. I don't know if he's the first guy to, to use this, but he was saying, um, if you got weeds in your garden, there's no use saying there's no weeds, there's no weeds, there's no weeds. But instead say, yep, there's weeds and then go pull them out and plant what you want. So what came up for me when you're saying that metaphor, or pardon me, your example of playing badminton is our brain has this incredible ability to move towards what we want if we tell it. So if I'm busy saying, why am I so slow? How come I didn't get to that last shot? You know, what's the matter with me? I'm a good athlete. Usually your brain's going, okay, well, let me get those answers for you. I'll tell you, you know, why you're so slow. But if you say, Hey, what can I do to get those little bloopers that come over the net? Your brain's going to go, well, move up, move to the center, move. So you're helping your brain focus on what you do want versus what you don't. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, when I'm in organizations, I'll often be talking to the leaders about, saying, look, when you give an employee negative feedback, that's in the past. They can't change it. So focus on what you do want versus what you didn't like about what they did before. And I'm not saying you can't ever talk about that, of course, but because uh, that can be learning as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, the positive self-talk, I think, is super important. And there's more to it than we think. Yeah. It Holding goes- an image in our brain of what we want. So, so true. And, and again, I, I like what you said, too, because it's, it's not about not addressing the negative stuff or, you know, the demons or, you know, the low mood or whatever anyone's going through. It's not about suppressing or repressing that. It's about still addressing it, but then also looking at how to move forward and, and lead our lives or, 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 or lead our goals in a different, more positive manner. Yes. Man. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. tie that in actually too. So I, I, I probably mentioned this in a previous podcast. Um, but I, I've, I think I've told you in the past, I work a lot with individuals who have concussions. That's um, why I went like this when you're talking about UBC, because <laughs> I remembered. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So um, there's been a lot of research over the last few years about the effect that mood disorders, anxiety and depression have on concussion symptoms. So 
it's it's it ends up really becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy for a lot of these individuals if you're you know have a history of anxiety if you're predisposed to anxiety and if you're you're really anxious about how your symptoms are and how you're presenting and what you can't do you're gonna it's it's gonna end up being that way for you you're gonna have terrible headaches you're not gonna be able to get out of bed you're not gonna be able to do all these things that are important to you but if you're able to somehow just gradually shift that you know perspective that mindset towards okay like this sucks right now i have all these symptoms you know things aren't great but what can i do what are yes. these little tiny incremental steps up the ladder that i can take to get better those individuals who can do that always almost inevitably have the better outcome so i think it speaks really really well to what we're talking about now oh and what a great real life example you know you're you're doing the research so you're seeing that that real difference yeah yeah yeah, yeah that cool. that's super powerful to me what, what what you just said yeah 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 no it's it's really interesting stuff and i mean you know, I think, I think it applies, you know, at the organizational level that we talked about at the relationship level and at the individual level too. So there's so much transfer of sport, you know, what have you, there's so much, it's, this can transfer to so many different spheres of our lives. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of it and I know you are too. So, you know, hopefully somebody out there is listening to this and they can take some sort of next step towards being a little bit more positive or seeing the silver lining in, in some certain experiences yeah. that I might be having. Yeah, I hope so. I, you know, that's my wish a lot of times when I'm doing a webinar myself is that people will just take one thing. You know, I might talk about 10, but because uh, one thing that just came up for me there with your example is it takes work in a way. And I hate to say that because that may sound discouraging, but for example, with my own positive self-talk, I can get it right once, but I don't go, okay, done. You know, that's fixed. I'm positive now. It keeps coming up and I have to remind myself and it takes work. But, but I find that the more I'm aware of it, the more positive my self-talk starts to get like anything, you know, I feel like it's a skill. And so the more you do it, the better you get at it. But my point there is um, maybe not for everybody, but I think it takes work, you know, it does. It does. And, and just like you said, the more you do it, the better you get at it. It's kind of like riding a bike sometimes. And I feel the same way. I don't know if you have any experience with uh, mindfulness. It's a big trending thing these days. And I'm, I think I can't remember if we've talked about that in the past, but um, you know, I've been working a lot on mindfulness over the past few years with myself and with my clients and just, just, you know, being in tune with my sentence senses, senses, at the time and the place that I'm in. So like, I'll, you know, go for a walk in the forest and you know, leave my cell phone in the car and just really listen to the birds chirping and, you know, the, the leaves rustling and whatever's around me. Um, and that's, it's such a good calming and relaxing strategy just to manage your mood and manage your frustrations. And just like positivity and self-talk and visualization, the more that you do it, the better you get at it and the more effective it seems to become overall. I love that um, example you use too, because I, I think for a lot of people when they think of mindfulness, they think of meditating, you know, sitting down in the lotus position, you know, or, or running away to a monastery and you can't, and both of those are examples of it, but it's not limited to that, you know, so your example, and that's just like you is to move, you know, get out in nature and, and move. Um, I love that notion of mindfulness for sure. Just being more aware. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. I guess it's a pretty broad term though hey in some ways like 
It really is. It really is. And just like, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, some of it is, you know, going to a Buddhist monastery and sitting there for 50 years and meditating until you achieve nirvana. Um, but then a lot of it too is, and I've had conversations with um, multiple people on this podcast in the past about it, a few psychologists and physiotherapists and people involved in healthcare about their experiences. And there's so many different approaches. You can, you can wash your hands in a mindful manner about just really feeling the soap between your fingertips and taking the time to just experience the sensations of the water hitting your hands. And the same thing with you know, brushing your teeth, um, chewing a stick of gum, what have you. You know, it's, it's absolutely limitless. But if you take the time to focus on it, the benefits are, are just, you know, they're infinite in terms of managing your mood and fostering positive mental health. Yes. Yeah, and lots of research, right? Like lower blood pressure, you know, um, better cardiovascular circulation and all kinds of great things, right? Lower anxiety. <laughs> exactly. Have you, have you ever done it yourself or practiced it at all? Well, uh, mindfulness? Yeah. Yeah, again, uh, maybe, you know, by my definition. But yes, I've meditated. Uh, when I was younger, I learned transcendental meditation when I was in my 20s. And I kind of drifted away from that. But uh, I... Uh, one thing that I used to do a lot when I was traveling on a plane, and I learned it from a book um, uh, called Unbeatable Mind by Mark Devine, the, the Navy SEAL. Okay. Uh, he calls it uh, box breathing. And basically, you're breathing in, say, for example, for five, holding for five, breathing out for five, and letting yourself rest for five. But that just meditating on my breathing. Uh, the, what else do I do? Like you, um, when I used to run, running definitely in my mind was mindfulness because once I got into a rhythm, you know, once my breathing settled in, uh, you know, or uh, for me, sometimes rock climbing, if I'm not scared, uh, if I'm scared, that's no good because I'm thinking about all the wrong things. But if I get into a rhythm on something that's relatively easy, you know, I'm, I'm smelling the lichen, you know, that's being warmed up by the sun or you can feel the granite warmth of the granite and or the smell of the pine trees when you're coming down through the forest and, and then i know okay i'm 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 aware i'm awake right now versus uh somewhere else what a great strategy i love it no seriously so it's it's just it's so much about just incorporating those that that focus on our senses into our daily activities our daily endeavors yes and i you know i just got to come clean as um like while I say that earlier, I was saying, and it takes work is it's not like I got mindfulness dialed. Uh, and I'm just thinking, Chris, my wife and I, we were out on this beautiful hike in the summer. We did a couple of overnighters Great. and one of them was just awesome. But as we were coming down uh, from the lake on the second day and we had summited uh, this hike uh, peak, but we summited, we're coming down through the forest and I was thinking about the car. You know, I wonder how far it is to the car and how far is the trail and when are we going to get to the road? And I caught myself and thought, what are you doing? Like, be present, you know, like, because then I realized, oh, geez, you know, on the way in, my brain was thinking ahead to what's the campsite going to be like? You know, are we going to get there in time? Can we have a swim? you know, blah, 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 instead of being present to the forest or the, the tree or whatever it was that we were walking through or past. Uh, so my point there is, it's not like I'm always mindful. I'm, I'm definitely not. Uh, but I try to be aware. And I think, like you said earlier, the more I practice it, the better I get at it. You know, so, so that was an example, hiking down, I caught myself. And then it's like, oh, hey, man, enjoy the moment. This is, I can feel my, 
body, my legs felt tired in a good way. And I was sweating and that felt good in a good way. And I started realizing, Hey, enjoy this feeling right here, right now. Don't worry about the car. You'll, you'll get there. So I think that's excellent. And it's, it's, I think it's a good way to kind of end off this conversation too. Um, just being, being aware of the time here, Matt, I don't want to okay. keep you for too much longer, but um, uh, you know, I, I experience such similar things too. And it's, it, I guess it's a thing of, you know, practice what you preach, um, you know, model good behaviors, but indeed, you know, I'm, I, I, I try, I preach mindfulness on a daily basis, but am, am I an expert in my own mindfulness? No, I'm, I'm still working on it. And I think that, you know, people need to recognize that all around that. I mean, even someone like yourself who, you know, exudes so much positivity and, and enthusiasm, you know, you still have your, your off days, you're still a human and you're still, you know, working at it on an ongoing basis to, you know, build off of this foundation that you've developed for yourself. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's where sometimes people, they, everyone talks about the imposter syndrome, you know, to some degree, we're, we're all working on our stuff. And yet we might find ourselves teaching it to someone else. It doesn't mean you're an imposter. You're just sharing, sharing what you know, you know, but there's always another level, I guess. But, so valid, yeah. Matt. So um, where, if people want to find out more information about you or, or about your, your leadership training, where can, where can they go? Oh, thanks for asking. Well, the, the name of my company is Lidera. It's a Spanish, it just means to lead, uh, almost like an invitation. You know, would you like to lead? Uh, <laughs> which a Spanish friend of mine taught me. But uh, yeah, www.lidera, and that's L-I-D-E-R-A um, dot C-A. Okay. Uh, yeah, it would probably be the easiest thing. I'm on LinkedIn as well under Matt McEachern. Okay. Uh, but those would be two places I think of. And thanks for asking that. I mean, I love what I do. And so if there's an opportunity to help someone or some organization, I'd be all over it. <laughs> awesome. That's great. So um, I will put that into the show notes, ladera.ca. And then if you don't mind, I'll also put a link to your LinkedIn on there as well. Awesome. That sounds great. Great. Yeah. Matt, thanks. Thanks so much. I really, really enjoyed this conversation, by the way. Thank I feel, you. I feel you super motivated me. Yeah, same here. I was just going to say it's very energizing. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Okay. Too. Yeah. All right. You take care. Okay. Cheers. Awesome. Matt McEachern, folks, what did I say about the positivity and the enthusiasm? That was awesome. Really, really Really exciting conversation. I feel really energized by it myself. You know, Matt, it just brings such a great air to a discussion. And just, you know, talking about these positive changes you can make, um, overcoming adversity, staying connected in the world today, but then also recognizing that, you know, everyone's going to have their days. There's ups and downs and, and, you know, being aware of that, but also being aware of these healthy behaviors that you can make to try to minimize the downs and maximize the ups. And yeah, that's that's kind of what we embody overall at Back in Motion is maximizing wellness, trying to engage in behaviors that lead to the most quality of life possible for us, for our families, for our communities, um, and for the world as a whole, all in all. So great conversation overall. Um, what's next? Episode 12, not too sure who the guest is going to be, so I'm not going to give a shout out just yet. I've got a few people lined up, but I won't make any promises. Until then, enjoy yourselves, folks. You know, we're going through a rough time 
as mentioned earlier, but whatever you can do in your day-to-day life to, you know, make things positive for yourself, you know, be fulfilled, be satisfied, set those goals, take that time in the day to stop and smell the roses Um, because life is short and life can be challenging. So don't let it pass you by. Take care, folks.